Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to the Wednesday Buckeye Talk. Doug Lamaries, Nathan Baird, Stephen Means, and practice starts Wednesday. We talk to the quarterbacks on Tuesday, and by quarterbacks, I mean CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, Jack Miller. We talk to Corey Dennis, we talk to Ryan Day. And J.P. Andre and Jagger LaRoe were there, but he, he, they were talking at part of the same time that Corey Dennis was talking. So I don't think any of us actually talked to them. Did we talk to them at all? The fourth and fifth quarterbacks? Well, fifth and sixth. I, I stopped by and, and asked uh, J.P. a couple questions. Oh, I, I heard one question from Jagger LaRoe, and it was Tim May asking him, is he the Texas quarterback everybody's all up in a fuss about, which he laughed at. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good Tim question. Uh the, I mean, those guys are the, it's always it's like talking to the backup middle infielders in, in the baseball clubhouse. It's like, they're not going to play, but they're in the room and they well, see and hear everything. Yeah. I think it's a huge difference because those guys actually get like a Sunday start once in a while. These, these guys yeah, are no. never going to see the field, but they are interesting. And I thought I, I talked to JP Andrade for a few minutes and I thought he um, was a good, na- good natured about it. Good sport. And it gave us a little bit of insight. I mean, listen, guys like that, they're setting a coaching career up. They're in a room. They're in a room with four of the best young quarterbacks in the country, coached by Ryan Day at a program like Ohio State. They don't have any illusions about what's going on here, but, like, there's only six players in that room, and they're two of the six. Are you kidding me? Like, it's a great position to be in. Those guys are learning a heck of a lot about how to play quarterback, and that's what we're going to talk about, Jake Jagger LaRoe, for most of this podcast. So, listen, we – I – Felt this was again, it's like getting back into the flow of things. I thought uh, Jerry Emig, the sports information director, did a good job of setting it up. We all were wearing masks because Ohio State has, has instituted the rule of as a campus rule. It's not about sports writers. It's if you're going to be in a, inside a building on campus, vaccinated or not, you have to wear a mask. So it was in the indoor facility. They were at a table. There was like a little um, like little uh, poles with little strap in front of it. So we were separated from the players who were also wearing masks. And then they had the chairs there separated, but they did continue doing it. They didn't zoom us, which if they have to zoom us someday, they have to zoom us someday. We don't know what this, what's going on with this latest COVID stuff, but we could have a normal conversation, right? I mean, it wasn't like 
sidling up to guys, whatever. But we had like probably 20 minutes, I think, my recorder, 15, 17 minutes with like each of the quarterbacks, probably like eight minutes with Ryan Day, maybe. And then probably like another 12 minutes with Corey Dennis, I would guess. So we got some information. But Nathan, I feel like I learned nothing. So that's a great tease for the pod. I just it made me. I tried to, I transcribed, this is my contribution, then I'll get out of the way. Because I stayed at Jack Miller the whole time. Nathan was at Kyle McCord and Stephen was at CJ Stroud. It's kind of just how it worked out. I tried to transcribe this. This was the conversation like at the end of Jack Miller. When I just get down to the like, I try to do this sometimes when we're dancing. Listen, maybe it was only my table that danced around it. Did you think Quinn Ewers coming to Ohio State so he can earn a million dollars and he's skipping his senior year of high school and he's the highest quarterback recruit in the country and he's now jumping into a room with three other great young quarterbacks. That is the biggest story in college football the last week. It took the front page from Oklahoma and Texas to the SEC. That's how big this is, right, Nathan? And it did feel like we kind of were dancing around it for a lot of today, partly well, I guess a lot of it because they're not allowed to say his name yet. Cause I guess he hasn't signed. Like he hasn't signed like a letter of intent and they're waiting from what I understand, Ohio state is waiting for like to get the thing from him, from his high school, like a signed transcript that says like yeah. he graduated, but he may not if, even be accepted at Ohio state yet. Okay. Yeah. Well, right. But also, I mean, that's technically, but, but, the guys who sign on signing day aren't accepted. And as soon as they sign the letter of intent, they can talk about them. It's not like we don't talk about the other players until they're in college. So this is different than that. So I don't quite, but, but he's, yeah, it's like, Oh, I wonder if he'll get in. Hey Quinn, what's your essay about? Hey, the most adversity I overcame in my life was when I was a quarterback and I couldn't make a million dollars in high school. So I went to college to make a million dollars. Quinn, yours. That's the common app essay he's filling out. I'm not making fun. I'm making fun of the idea of like, oh, he has to get admitted. It's hard to get into Ohio State, by the way, just not if you're a five-star quarterback. What was I saying? Did we learn it? Oh, we danced, Nathan. Did we dance around it a little bit? Or was it only my table that danced around it? Because I do feel like Ryan Day and Quinn Ewers kind of, and, and Corey Dennis kind of danced around it. And I guess I'm not blaming anybody, but it was a little frustrating because I, I was... It's like, this is the biggest story in the country. I don't want to ask 11 questions about quarterback leadership. Yeah, it's not like anybody was going to say the name Quinn Ewers and really, you know what I mean? And say, here's what we think he's going to bring to this competition. Uh, My table, the common core table that I spent most of my day at did not dance around it that much. I didn't think. I mean, at one point, Quinn or common core was asked, do you know Quinn Ewers? He said, yes. He's like, well, tell us about him. Like, how, what's your relationship and what do you think of him? He's like, I think he's a good dude and he's a, he's a really talented guy and I'm looking forward to meeting, you know, getting to know him better when he gets here. And he, I thought that was just the best way to handle it. You're not going to break down what he brings to the quarterback competition because he's not in the quarterback competition technically yet. And these guys are there to talk about themselves. But, but my table didn't talk about it around it as much. I thought also that, you know, Ryan Day, again, He's not going to talk about him by name. I thought at least he was a little bit – I thought you could read a, between the lines of his answer a little bit better than you could, say, Corey Dennis, and it sounds like at your table was was a lot more murky about. So, so Reed, do a little line reading here before we go to Stephen and what it was like at the C.J. Stroud table. What's your line reading on Ryan Day and the Quinn Ewers situation? Well, I mean, I, a question I asked him just about um, how they're you know handling – how he and Corey Dennis are kind of taking him through this mentally. I, I thought 
part of his answer was, you know, this is a, a long process that takes us through January, which I think to me goes maybe to, leans towards what you've been arguing on the on Tuesday's edition of Buckeye Talk, which is that this is wide open for to, to be a fluid situation into the season that Quinn Ewers could eventually win. That this is that whenever Quinn Ewers gets here, this process just kind of keeps rolling. He, he enters something that's already like a, a competition that's already in earnest and he'll slide in and he starts it later, but who knows what happens? I think re- that was an answer to me that set me up for like, there is no certainty in this until you get to the national championship game and see who's playing that day. Steven, what was the vibe at the CJ Stroud table? Again, CJ Stroud's the guy that is, is the leader in this race by now at the moment. We know it. He knows it. He knows we perceive it that way. So he is the guy, I don't want to say the word threatened. I don't know a better word. He's the guy that's most maybe affected by Quinn Ewers. And it's like, well, if Quinn Ewers wasn't coming, I think most people would be like, all right, well, CJ Stroud's going to be the quarterback probably all year. And now that's at least a little bit in question. How was CJ? From the, he said all the right things hat first. He said all the right things in terms of I'm happy for him. He get uh, I'm happy for the man. He's a good kid. I'm happy he gets a chance to make some money. I don't know much about the situation. That's how he pretty much broke it down. He's happy he's going to make some money. He's going to welcome him with open arms as another teammate who's going to be in the room with him. Now, with that being said, I, it, it feels like all the quarterbacks, I'll speak from a CJ's perspective, made it a point to say how far they've come in their development. And in some small way, we're talking about how much it takes to actually win the starting job here. And you can't just walk in here. I don't care how talented you are and win the job. For him, it was a physical aspect and also some leadership things. And speaking more, being more verbal with the way he leads a little bit. He seems like a, like a more quieter guy, quieter guy who had to learn how to be more of a vocal leader. And they talked with him about that after the spring, but also so from a physical standpoint, this he said he's listed at 218 pounds now, and the goal is to get him to 220, which is not where he was a year ago. And so that's where his focus is. His focus right now is trying to win this job every day. It's not necessarily whether he's in the lead or not. And Quinn Ewer showing up, whether he wants to admit it or not, or say it in a sly way, allows him to once again slide back into the I'm the underdog conversation that has been the C.J. Stroud story leading up to all this. Yeah, this is a chance for everybody to be an underdog, underdog again because mm-hmm. the five-star guy is here. And he's looming, but he also is like a motivational chip for a bunch of guys who have been around. And I, don't, I was never dismissing the idea that these guys are bigger, they're stronger, they have a greater understanding of things by the time they have spent here. That's, that is clear. And again, it is in everybody's interests. I think it is in their interests – I don't, I don't want to me. I don't mean to say it like everybody's lying. I'm just like sort of saying my baseline thing of like, I just don't know if I believe it. Right. Like it's great. I don't, they're not, there's a difference between them not telling the truth and me not believing their truth. Buckeye talk. I don't believe your truth. That's, yeah. that's where I am that like, I believe that they say they believe that in their heart. We've been here. We put in the work. I can show you how much stronger I am. Thanks to coach Mick. I can show you how much more I understand about playing quarterback because I've been here. I get it. And then you leave room for special, but I want to, I, 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 this is Doug Maurice, professional old man journalist. I transcribed this the best I could in my sloppy handwriting. I was going to play it for the podcast, but they want, they didn't want us to put our recorders on the table in front of the guys as they spoke, which is fine. 
So they had speakers next to it. Mm. So I leaned mine on the speaker and it's a little fuzzy. I mean, like I can hear it perfectly fine and it'll, it's great, but it's not podcast quality. And we care about quality here at Buckeye Talk. This is the, so I was going to play it, but I won't. This is me at the end of like, we've danced around it. We haven't gotten anywhere. Let's just be real about this. You guys are in a tough spot. Jack Miller. Yeah. What are you, 20? Jack Miller, 19. You asked him that? <laughs> like, I'm just having, I'm not asking. I'm having a conversation. No, but you, I'm, that's how you ask the question. What are you, 20? That's such an old way. 20. That's an old man way to ask somebody what their age is. <laughs> it's like, what are you, a little kid? I mean, he's young. I'm, 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 yeah. I am, could be his grandfather. This so, is fair. what are you, 20? 19. We're not here to be old guys trying to trick you. Jack Miller. Yeah. But this is crazy. Jack Miller. Yeah. I don't know if they told you not to say anything about Quinn or if you just kind of feel like it's better to just talk about yourself or if you just kind of don't want to talk about it. I don't want to put you on the spot. Jack Miller. Yeah. I'm just trying to get um, your some kind of general reaction of what you thought of the Quinn news. I'm just wondering, you know, sort of what you thought about it when you heard about it. Maybe you don't want to answer it, but I'm just kind of wondering how you felt when you found out. Jack Miller. We're just focused on the guys who are here right now and we're trying to get better each and every day. So that was like, that's the best, right? I'm just trying to be like, dude, I get it. You don't want to talk about it. I've got to ask about it. Let's like strip it down. Uh, is there like, uh, can you get like, is there anything just like what you thought, you know, like just, and he wouldn't go there at all. So that's why I didn't know if there was like Ohio state was like, don't talk about it. Right. That's why I came to you guys when I was done with the Jack Miller table. And I was sort of like, did you guys talk about Quinn Ewers at all? Cause I just wanted, you know, in to be like, Oh, it was crazy. Or like, wow, I never heard of a high school guy who did that, but good luck to him. And we'll welcome him. And like just Jack didn't want to go there. Now, listen, like Jack Miller a lot. And I, I, I just, I've turned out, I've talked to Jack Miller a couple of times. It just worked out. You, one guy went to Stroud, one guy went to McCord. I went to Miller. It's fine. Very pleasant guy. Like, I think if he was Ohio state's quarterback, like he'd be a fan favorite. Everybody would love him. Just like, I bet they would love Kyle McCord. And like, I bet they would love CJ Stroud, but it's just a little weird to me, Nathan, right? That this is a little bit of a weird spot. Create, you know, high state, I don't it's like did it to itself. Well, it's a great thing that it did, but it's just weird right now. And my general reaction to today was eh, kind of weird. And I'm not, it's I, not whatever. Maybe I could ask better questions. I couldn't figure out a better question to ask in the moment, um, but kind of weird that like, again, it's like there's a thing hovering that like we can't directly address. Yeah, no, it's it's awkward. And, you know, you brought up that you think that Ewers coming here now potentially gives Ryan Day slash the program a a messier or I'm sorry, a cleaner decision on the quarterback going forward for the next three years. But I think it makes this next month a lot messier. And this is another example of that. Like this is it. It is an awkward situation for everybody. I wish that they had given us Corey Dennis and the quarterbacks the day after the spring game or whatever, or the week after the spring game, we could have talked to them then. And they could have each talked about themselves more and not had to talk about Quinn Ewers. And obviously nobody at that time knew all this was going to develop. I don't believe. So 
circumstance has led us to where we are today. But it is an awkward situation. I, I think, though, I, I understand what you're saying as much as how much do you believe it when they say, well, we're just focused on ourselves. We're not worried about the other thing. Like that does stretch um, credibility a little bit. It's it, because of who he is. He's not just any quarterback. He's Quinn yours. So the idea that they're not thinking about it at all, I, I, I don't believe that at the same time, they don't know when he's going to get here for sure. They don't know what that's going to look like when he finally does get here. And somebody does have to start on opening day. So it, it, it's one of those things where, yeah, I, I don't believe that they're not thinking about it, but as a competitor, that is now one of their challenges. Just how do you now brush off this potential like sideshow aspect that's being dropped in your lap and just figure out who's going to start on opening day for this football team. In hindsight, is it fair to say of the three that we probably would have guessed would have been the least likely to say anything, whether the coaches and the, the communication staff told them to or not, is probably Jack Miller, given how the last two years have gone for him. It's like every time somebody talks to him, the questions are, are to him are, hey, what about this guy who might be better than you? Now, which yeah, I mean, to be but to be yeah. fair, we asked him. 13 minutes of questions about himself before we okay. got into the viewers, because okay. I, I know how to do this and you don't do that to a 19 year old and come in yeah. and drop bombs on him right away. You let him talk about himself for a while and try to open the doors of conversation. But I think you're right, Stephen. I mean, he's in a tough spot. I do feel bad. I feel like this is tough. This is tough. And I keep, it's one of those things I try to, I'm asking questions that I'm actually curious about, but I end up asking him in a way that again, the question winds up being, do you have too many good players? And it just sets them up to be like, there's never too many good players. We all, and it just like makes it sound like it's a it's a commercial for Ohio State. Uh, this is crowded, man. Like it really is crowded. And there are going to be some disappointed guys at the end of this, and they'll be fine. But this is this is tough. And I almost I not almost I did feel bad. I don't. It's like. And in the NIL world, it almost it helps a little bit because it's like when it's just like these unpaid amateurs who are teenagers and we're just like, what's up? Why are you going to win the job? And it's like, man, this I don't know about that. This is how this is how the world works. These are our jobs. We're not there to serve the players. We're there to serve our listeners and our readers. So we do it. We try to keep, you know, try to do it as nicely as possible for a bunch of teenagers. But at least they can make some money now, which is great because I don't have any compunction about. I mean, I don't know. I always say they're millionaires. They're fine. Like I'll I'll. I don't, I'll ask a pro athlete anything. I don't care about their feelings. Go roll around in your piles of money if I hurt your feelings. But I don't know. I'm curious. I don't know if I'll think that about Quinn Ewers. It's like, oh, Quinn Ewers, how come you didn't win the starting job in year two at Ohio State? Doug, why are you being so mean? Just go roll around on your millions, Quinn. I don't think I'll be that way because they're still college kids. But Nathan, it's, I agree, going to be an interesting next month. And the one thing that people did say, was when he's here, when he's in, when Ryan Day can talk about it. Ryan Day will talk about it. And Ryan Day will uh, give some on-the-record things about, listen, here's the deal. This is what it's like for a guy who just got here as opposed to a guy who's been here for eight months or 15 months, right? We'll get that eventually, Nathan. It's just weird that everybody knows it's happening and we couldn't get it today. Right. Um, and it's just, it seems like it's going to be just another series of like thresholds to get met. You know what I mean? Like tomorrow's the first day we're going to be at the start of practice. So we'll get to see some stretching or whatever. And we'll talk to Ryan day again in the morning where he'll give us some insight about things, but it just seems like, you know, every time we actually get to see a little bit of something, that's like a new threshold. I don't know how many times that'll happen before Quinn Ewers actually joins the program, but it just seems like then somebody flips a switch and now 
the conversation switches again. And then it's going to linger behind everything. And I'm, I'm really curious to see how that all plays out, because in some ways this was all building towards a coronation. And now they would have some certainty to it, even though like somebody could not play as well. And whoever finished second could then maybe take over and be the starter. Like that would have happened in the three person world. Right. But now I feel like we're all kind of assuming that it sets up that this is like a three plus one competition for the start of the season. So now instead of like a true coronation where you're saying, all right, CJ or, or Kyle or Jack is our starter. And we're excited about the season and what they can do for him. They're still going to say that, but there's always going to be, yeah, but, but what about this guy? Well, what mm-hmm. about this, this guy He's hanging out over here? Like we can't forget about him. He's the elephant in the room, the, the mulleted elephant in the room. That's going to just be impossible to ignore. I'm going to, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm going to give Stephen means the opportunity to disassociate himself from me, which I mean, you might want to take that opportunity, Steve. Yeah, I'll tell you, this is, that is a golden don't, ticket. Don't go down with the ship on this one. We'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. Douglas Maurice, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. Guess what, fellas? Have you been looking? Tech subscriptions ticking up. I don't know if it's my begging. <laughs> I'm good at begging. Or is it just that one of the best football teams in the country is starting practice? Who knows? Could be one, could be the other. Thank you to anybody who's a new tech subscriber. Thank to anybody, thanks to anybody who returned. Thanks to anybody who's thinking about it. And if you want to get in, practice is starting tomorrow. We're going to be there at 7.30 in the morning on Wednesday morning to watch some stretching. And a couple little things. We'll, I mean, we won't text. We don't text before 10 a.m. Eastern unless it's an emergency because we have some listeners on the West Coast. We know we have people, people have lives. I mean, unless it's an emergency, we're not going to do that to you. But like, get ready at 10 a.m. Wednesday morning for like a, hey, this is everything we saw. This is what we learned. This is what where our minds changed about things. So come join us, 614-350-3315. All right, Stephen, this is your opportunity. Nathan has made it fairly clear that he is rather skeptical of Quinn Ewer's chances of starting at some point this year. Not impossible, but fairly skeptical. Nathan, if we had to ask you a hard yes or no, will Quinn Ewers start a game this year? I think your answer would be no. Is that correct? Not impossible. I'm not trying to yes. put words in your yes. mouth, but generally, if you had to pick if one or the other, you'd yes pick no. no. Yeah. Under my head, I'd say no today. I would say yes. Steven, I feel like you're a yes. You're not maybe as far on the yes as I've mm-hmm. been. And I will say there were at least two other sports writers at th- Stuff Today that started conversations with me by saying like, well, there's no way he's going to play this year. And I was like, well, that's not what I think. And then I started to cry because everybody was yelling at me. So I want to make sure that if, if God forbid Buckeye talk is your primary source of Ohio state information, I'm sorry that you don't think that everybody in the world thinks it's a slam dunk that Quinn Ewers is going to be the starting quarterback at some point this year. And that Nathan is some kind of weird outlier that he's some kind of bearded curmudgeon from a, a a bean field in Illinois. Now he is, he is a bearded curmudgeon from a, he just is not alone in thinking that Quinn Ewers 
I texted, I texted someone today and said, I feel like Quinn Ewers is tearing us apart because I might be. So if I am on Quinn Ewers Island for 2021, I, I don't know if I'm alone with other, I can't tell. I honestly was trying. I didn't get to talk to Tim May very much today. They were doing a video and Tim, we were going to do a video. We didn't, we, we didn't end up doing it. We were walking past Letterman Road. They're doing their video. And Tim's saying like, well, here's what I think about Quinn Ewers. And I was like, I want to see what he thinks. Because I want to see if there's anybody that agrees with me. And I missed it. So I need to find out what Tim thinks. I think from what I heard, it sounded like maybe Tim's cracking the door on it being possible. Um, Stephen, would you like to jump off the island and swim over uh, to Curmudgeon Lagoon with Nathan and a lot of other sensible people who are like, he's supposed to be in high school. What are you talking about? And I'm like, he's special. He's special. And everybody's like, the other guys are good too. I'm giving you the opportunity now because at some point you're either in the lagoon or you're on the island and then you're either going to die on the island or the big, the big Quinn Ewers ship's going to come by a party boat and uh, pick you up and ride off into the sunset. So if you want to get off, this is your chance, Stephen. I just go home instead. Yeah. Stephen's like, can I just not be in anyone's lagoon or Island? Yeah. I've been in my apartment, not, not knowing. Can I also, I'm going to let you think for a moment, Stephen. Yeah. I will say this, and this again, not a good thing for a podcaster to say. I'm a little out of opinions. Do you guys ever get like between the Texas and Oklahoma are going to the SEC? Tell me exactly what that means for college football 10 years from now. And trying to figure out whether an 18 year old high school guy with a really good arm from Texas can play college football a year early or not. And my actual answer to both those questions is how am I supposed to know? But how am I supposed to know is not a good t-shirt slogan. I, at times get, I I'm like out of opinions. And sometimes I think, what if I just had a job where it was like, someone said, Hey, what's your sports opinion? I was like, I don't know. (laughs) I'll just wait and see. I'll wait and see what happens. Um, Now, I like talking. I like the sound of my own voice. I like theories. But both these things, guys, the thing that's rough about this is I don't feel like I really have a grasp on either, right? I feel like I only have partial information on both the future realignment of college football conferences and whether a six-star, 18-year-old high school senior quarterback can win a job for one of the five best teams in the country. I feel like I don't have enough information to feel good about my opinion. So I would, I think I'd be nervous about it either way, but it's just been a weird couple of weeks when I, we thought we were just going to be like, Hey, uh, you know, you think uh, Craig Young's going to play more or Ronnie Hickman's going to play more. And instead we're doing this. It's terribly interesting, but Steven, it gives me a knot in my stomach sometimes. Cause honestly, the answer for a lot of it is I really don't know. And I could be a thousand percent wrong with how I'm viewing it at the moment through my 20% lens of understanding what's up with either thing. The real problem is it's not so much that you're out of opinions. It's just you're out of opinion. We haven't talked about football in so long because of the, what the last 18 months has been between COVID, season getting canceled. Now we got realignment. And then on top of that, hey, 
Quinn Ewers is showing up six months early. And so think about that. We got the quarterbacks for the first time. Basically, we've talked this, this is the first time either one of you would have had an opportunity to talk to Kyle McCord. I've obviously talked to him on the recruiting tool and stuff so much. And then we haven't talked to Jack Miller and CJ Stroud since they got here as early enrollees. None of the questions were about football. Yeah. It was all about, hey, how do you feel about this kid who's not here yet? And hey, how do you feel about being able to make money already? It, there were no football questions asked to the most p- important position in football. And so I think it's more you're, t- you're out of opinions about non-football related things that have to do with all off the field stuff that they really don't have any control over. And so to answer your question of do I want to jump ship? I don't know if I was ever as extreme as you were, but I'm also not as extreme as Nathan was. I want to live. That's why I just want to go home because, or if this, if, if we were in Vegas and it's like, I had a hundred dollars to put on the table, I'd put $20 down and then walk away and still have some money left over. But at the same time, if I hit, I'm rich. So I want to live in the world of it's unlikely, but I am not going to be like, Whoa, Quinn yours is out there. If it happens either. That's, I think that's a safe way to put it because he is special but there's some ho- hoops he has to jump through. So if it happens, I'm going to, I mean, we'll write about it and talk about it, but not at all. Am I going to come on a podcast or write a post that goes, I can't believe Quinn Ewers is out there, but I'm also not going to be like, I can't believe they didn't play Quinn Ewers if they don't play him. See, that sounds closer to the Bear Lagoon to me though, than less Lamer East Island. By the way, we have, we have a blue lagoon, not a black lagoon, not the creature. We have Brooke Shields. We have the blue lagoon. Oh. Oh, Brooke Shields is 60 now, by the way. But yes, that was a lovely. On the Blue Lagoon, she was. Not on the Blue Lagoon. The, um, I am much more the. It's going to happen 100%. Oh, no, 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 no. I wouldn't say I'm, I, I would not say I'm 100%. Okay. But I would say, I would say yes. And I you definitely, still, I definitely, yeah. You seem like you are definitely from, you're on the side of they have to keep him off the field more mm. than the side of he has to find a way onto the field. Yes. I, I remain, I am on the side of he's special. The rules don't apply. There's not an incumbent. And I know there've been a lot of people sort of saying the idea of like that, that CJ Stroud and Kyle McCord are really good. And that like a comparison to Kelly Bryant, like Kelly Bryant was had a ceiling, you know, that yes, he had more experience, but he had a ceiling to what he could be. And you don't know what the Stroud and McCord ceilings are, right? And the Stroud and McCord ceilings could be as high or higher than the Quinn Ewers ceilings, and they have a head start. And, and that is a very reasonable thing. But I'm just a guy, like, I'm the guy who loses, like, seven blackjack hands in a row and, like, plays the eighth hand and loses that and, like, asks where the ATM is. So, like, I am not going home with my money. I'm going broke on this. So here's Ryan day did say something interesting and, and I, and, and I don't want to Ohio state did the best they could today. It's just weird. Ryan day. I did think was pretty interesting in several different ways. And then we will talk about just what we heard from Corey Dennis, the quarterback's coach later, Ryan day. And I think Steven, you definitely asked Ryan day a question about recruiting about this. Nathan, you were asking Ryan some questions. He definitely, uh, answered a question about do you ever like think about the future, right? And what this means for the future of the quarterback room. And he was like, yeah, but like, if I think about that too much, it's just going to screw up now. But that at least to me is like a realistic thing of like, of course it's about now, but I don't think it's 100% only about now. And I don't know that that's what he meant by that answer, but 
you know, Stephen, you were asking him, well, now you've got, you know, where, what does this do for recruiting and quarterback recruiting and in class class or the class after. And I know we had discussed the idea of like maybe doing a thing about which schools are on which quarterback cycle, you know, that like, Hey, Oklahoma's on this cycle and Ohio state's on an opposite cycle and it opens up stuff. And then like, again, and Ryan today just said, you've just got to go year to year. I'm, talking about two things at once now. So let's do the recruiting thing while we're, t- while we're on it, Stephen. What did you think of Ryan Day's answer about how Quinn Ewers coming now affects qu- the quarterback recruiting for Ohio State? And what do you think it means in real terms of what they do next from a quarterback recruiting standpoint? His answer today, Tuesday, and his answer at Big Ten Media Days about this and then their actions are why I don't believe him when he says you have to go to your year to year. I think they were headed down a path of a cycle. And as I think I'd said this before in a pod, whoever won this battle was going to decide to cycle, not this year, but next year, whether it was Kyle winning the job and then keeping it next year or Quinn ultimately taking it over or CJ just having it for two years. They were headed in that direction, how they were approaching recruiting. They weren't going all in on quarterbacks in 2023. They had had some higher rated guys on campus, but more than likely, none of those get Dante Moore, uh, Nico Iamaliva, um, Malachi Nelson, who obviously has come into Oklahoma at this point. They weren't really in the picture for those guys. The next main guy was going to come in 2024. They were headed on that cycle and then Quinn threw them all for a loop again. And so at some, I think he believes in the back of his head. Yes, right now we have to go year for year. But at some point, this has to calm down. And at some point we have to get into a groove here and know who our guy is long-term. And that's the only problem with this situation where in this world of you've got riches at quarterback, the one problem is you don't know what your long-term solution is. And I don't know if any coach wants to live in that world, even if it means going to get the five-star every single year. Because at some point, the five-star is going to look at the room and go, I don't want to be a part of that. Nathan, I know you're interested in that idea and that what Ryan Day said at Big Ten Media Days about like, hey, it'd be nice to have a guy for three years and really get to develop him. What did you learn about sort of where you think Ryan Day is? And just thinking about that from what he said today, did it, did it change your mind at all? Do you think he's again, I do think there were certain things Ryan Day couldn't say today, but I do think Ryan Day's emotions in the moment. He's not a robot about this stuff. And like sometimes, yeah. again, we've talked about that from Big Ten Media Days. He'll let you in on the idea like, man, I'm not going to pretend this isn't a little bit crazy. Mm-hmm. Right. He's not trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and act like it's it's going to be 100 percent smooth sailing. But they believe in competition. They believe in help each other. They believe in don't have bad blood. So where do you think Ryan Day is in sort of a, a dealing with the competition? Well, I mean, I think the long-term solution since the day Quinn Ewers committed has been Quinn Ewers. I think they've known that. It's just this – it's the temporary messiness of it all, right? I mean, we thought between now – we thought there would be some messiness this fall as they decided their quarterback, and then more or less smooth sailing through the season, and then messiness next spring, and then Quinn Ewers would probably win the job, and they would just go forward from there. We thought that there was going to be like – intermittent showers not what could be ahead of us which is like regular thunderstorms or whatever Mm -hmm. but i think once i mean i think 2022 is a year where all of this calms down 2022 is when either quinn ewers has taken over the quarterback position or he hasn't beat somebody out by then if he hasn't beat somebody out by 2022 then i guess this conversation changes i think we're all skeptical of that but we've all thought all along that 2022 this settles down with some kind of certainty and then you've got you give yourself at least two years while they kind of reset things. But in the moment, it does jumble some things because Stevens right. 
you have sort of turned your attention away from having to really recruit any kind of a quarterback of of notoriety in 2022 or maybe even in, for 2023 and now all of a sudden it all the, the doors are, are, are thrown wide open on that so they do have to figure something out because we know that attrition will eventually hit this room as these decisions unfold so i want to go through a little bit of what ryan day i think ryan day listed four things that will sort of that he's looking for in this quarterback competition and number one is leadership now, it was the first thing he said. Now, he didn't say I'm listing these in order, but it's the order in which they came out of his mouth. I remain skeptical about that idea because they have a boatload of leadership on this offense. Thayer Munford is a leader. Jeremy Rucker is a leader. Chris Olave is a leader. Garrett Wilson and Nicholas Petit Frere and Harry Miller are leaders. And so I think they needed to, I think they need a dude who can sling it. Now, there are times when you need that. And I'm not. Of course, of course, a quarterback needs to lead. But I don't know that I believe that like that's going to be like the deciding factor, right? I don't, of well, course it matters, but I think there are a lot of guys who can lift up this quarterback if he's not super great at leadership right now, no matter who it is. I suppose it depends on how you define leadership in some ways. This may come up in the other three elements that he said i can't remember exactly how he enumerated them but co composure in the moment is a kind of leadership mm -hmm. and somebody's you have to play with composure when you get into the huddle no matter if you've got those other leaders that you just talked about everybody's still looking at the quarterback that guy's got to be composed and that is something that you worry about almost more than the physical things when you're talking about guys who've never really been out there and done this in, in any significant way. It's that's leadership has become such a buzzword. And that's part of the problem. Nathan hit it on the nail. These other guys got to be able to look at this quarterback and not feel like this guy doesn't have it. He, he didn't have it. He, he didn't have it. And I felt that with Justin, that's, it's more about that is the fact that at some point, Justin had to be able to look everybody else on the team in the eyes. And yes, they have plenty of leaders. It's less about that. And everybody looking at their quarterback and going, Oh yeah, this guy's got it. This guy is it. And that's maybe more what he's looking for than can C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord or Jack Miller get up in front of the team and give a great speech. But I, I do think a lot of times I am always of the belief that like culture comes from talent and leadership comes from winning. And it's like whether they believe in the guy is going to be like, did you see that throw he made? He's kind of quiet, but. Oh my God, I have never seen someone do that. That's my guy, right? I just think a lot of it comes from that. The other things that he enumerated are basically all versions of the same things. He said, decision-making. He said, make the routine plays, which if you have Chris Olave, Jeremy Ruckert, and Garrett Wilson to throw to, it's like, yeah, him on a little out, let them do the rest. And then take care of the ball, which is, again, goes back to the kind of stuff that he talked about a lot with Justin Fields. I loved, it was one of my favorite things to constantly ask about the push and pull with Ryan Day and Justin Fields of taking care of the ball versus making big plays. I don't know, like when we think about Justin Fields against Clemson, and maybe this is the point, maybe it's for now with a young quarterback. I don't, what Justin Fields did to Clemson last year is to me like beat a defense to death with your talent. I don't, that's like not on the list that he said, 
But Justin Fields rolled them because he was unstoppable. Now, he also didn't give up the ball a lot, right? And when Justin got in trouble, when Justin had his iffy games, it's because he was turning it over. But that's true of every quarterback. And every quarterback has to be able to make a couple of mistakes if he's going to make big plays to get you over the top. This is not the list to win a playoff game. This is not the how to beat Bama list, I don't think. I think the how to beat Bama list is like make explosive plays is somewhere on there. And I get it, uh, but yeah, yes. However, did did Mac Jones make explosive plays or did he get the ball in the hands of the people who made explosive plays to beat Ohio State? Fair point. Fair point. And that's Mac- who they have to be this year. They don't have to be Justin. I think they can, I think in this with this offense alone in this, you know, isolated year, I think they just need somebody to be Mac Jones. The, the counterpoint to what I said is beating Alabama is different than beating Ohio State. Still is. It just is. That's not. I mean, that's that's not a. I mean, again, Mac Jones wound up being the 15th pick in the draft, so, yeah, so he has like skills he was... too. But but it was mostly let your guys do their thing. Uh, I, I'll buy that, and I do think I do think the more right, the more a quarterback gets into the system and gets accustomed to things, the more you can lean on making explosive plays. Yeah. So maybe this is for a first year starter. Any first year starter, this is what Ryan Day has on the list, and the more that he trusts them and the quarterback trusts the offense, then you can add things to the list. I just, I just don't know. I just, I am not that interested in the, and listen, JT Barrett was a great leader, right? JT Barrett, one of his primary character, his first characteristic, I'd say JT Barrett's characteristics leader is one toughness is two, but also I think everybody in this room throws it better than JT did probably. I think that's fair. And JT's not an NFL quarterback, right? So the ceiling is no offense. Again, this goes back to like our Mount Rushmore. No offense. My ceiling, my expectation level for everybody in this quarterback battle is be better than the greatest quarterback in Ohio state history. I'm just kidding, but like be better than JT Barrett, the winningest quarterback in Ohio state history. He's the floor for like everybody in this battle. I, I don't, like, I don't know. I don't know if, if a JT would be good enough. I think most of people listening to this would say, no, a JT's not good enough. And JT's all about this. JT's all about decision-making and make the routine plays and take care of the ball and lead. I mean, that's like a JT Barrett description. And it's like, if you if you put it on APB for a quarterback with this list of things and you showed up with JT Barrett and you said, here it is, I found your national championship winning quarterback. I think Ohio State fans would be like, uh, that's not him. What happened to CJ Stroud? I want a little more of that, right? So I'm a little skeptical of it. And I guess, but Nathan, as you try to interpret this, and again, this is not, I understand why Ryan Day is saying it. And I think Ryan Day believes it. But I also think Ryan Day understands. I think I don't know that Ryan Day would disagree with me. How do, does, does that not fit Quinn Ewers? Does that like, if this is really what it's about, if that's the actual list, does that make it harder for Quinn Ewers just because... He's a high school guy, and I don't know if you're not going to say like crazy arm plays on the list. That might well, be what he does best. Okay, but but it's all of these guys at the time that they were committed to Ohio State, the time that they were recruited to Ohio State, were seen as potentially being the guy who could come in and be the number one quarterback for this playoff aspirant team. Like at one time, Jack Miller 
CJ Stroud, Kyle McCord, all of them were seen as that guy at some point in their career at the time that Ohio State went and got them. And they all came here for that challenge. So I, I think this is this is a everybody in this room has a it, it's kind of goes back again to the argument that we were having the other day where maybe I'm leaning more on the side of all of these guys are better than the average quarterback. Certainly a couple of these guys, I think, are, are far better than the average college quarterback. And the that plus the additional time that they already have in the program is going to give them enough of a head start over yours that it'll last through the season. I think what Ryan Day says when he puts out that list is almost all of these guys, we're confident in the talent that all these guys have. I think he believes that to some extent. Who gets out of their own way a little bit? Who just kind of gets to it faster and has the smoothest transition to utilizing that talent to the full extent this this season? I think that's what this comp- this competition is about. I think that these next 25 practices are about. I think perhaps that I love uncertainty. And this comes up, this has come up a couple times on the college football playoff show. And listen, I haven't pumped it in a while, so I'm going to do it for a second. It's the new podcast. We have more episodes out this week. It's the college football playoff show. Wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you find Buckeye Talk, find that. It's me and my co-host, Shahan Jeharaja. We do two podcasts a week talking about what's going on in the college football playoff race this week. What The first thing we do in the main pod is, should this team join the discussion? And the, this week, it's should Georgia join the college football playoff discussion. Already in that discussion for us are Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Iowa State. Should Georgia join that group? And then the second thing we did is we ranked the overall defenses of all those teams. How do they compare? So, yes, I was up until like 3.30 in the morning watching defensive clips of Alabama and researching Oklahoma defensive stats. I think you'll find it interesting where we put Ohio state on that list of defenses among contenders. And then we did a Q and a pod and the lead question on Q and a was what does Quinn Ewers mean for the national championship race this year? And it's interesting to get Shahan's perspective on that because he's in Texas. He's watched Quinn Ewers play in person. And I'll give you a little tease on this. He just said, he said Quinn Ewers played in a high school state championship game against another quarterback. Who's a five-star recruit. And he said from Clemson can make K Klubnik. Is he a 22 kid? Like he, he, he is. And now that Quinn is gone, he's now the number one quarterback in that class. What's his name again? Cade Klubnik. Cade Klubnik. From Westlake High School. They played in the state championship game. And Shahan said, these are two five-star quarterbacks. He said the difference between Cade Klubnik and Quinn Ewers was night and day. There was no comparison. Really? Between these two five-star quarterbacks, which leans into like – there's five star that, and then there's who won special. that game, Steven. Cade won the game. <laughs> yeah, the West other Lake guy won. Who won? Who won though? But who oh, won? I'm not, I'm just saying, okay. I think no. that's what makes it an interesting statement to me. Yeah. I think what's I mean, to be fair, like Trevor Lawrence was viewed as better than Justin Fields, and yet Justin beat him soundly nine months ago. But to the Lawrence. point of that, yeah, that's inter- that's interesting to me because that's the polar opposite of what the vibe was coming out of Elite 11. The Elite 11, and some of that is because, like, Quinn had the perfect rating and everybody downplayed it a little bit because they didn't want it. But it was that there's not that much of a difference between what Quinn is and what Malik Murphy was and what Kay Klubnik was and everybody else in that class. That's That's a different vibe than what he – just, you know, gave off, but continue your point. I think, I think we, so anyway, go listen to that podcast, get subscribed. It's the college football playoff show. We're having a good time doing it. 
Usually one episode goes up on Tuesday, the Q&A pod, and then the main pod drops on Wednesdays. And we also have a text subscription. If you guys, it's only a dollar because we don't text as often as we text uh, on the Ohio State text subscription, but we'd love to have you aboard. It's the only way you get to ask questions for the Q&A pod. We're going to drop, you know, little bits of information uh, here and there, just like we do on the Ohio State text. And it's 817-442-6789 is the way you can get signed up for that pod. So we'd love to have you. And that's my ad for the college football playoff pod. Steven, are we setting up what you just said? Are we setting up? You just, you, we are now creating the origin story of Quinn Ewers, six-star recruit underdog. Quinn Ewers, the highest ranked recruit in quarterback history, goes to the elite 11 and the haters Come out in force. He's not as good as everybody says he is. Quinn Ewers says, I'll show them. I'll go to college a year early. Like, again, I'm not, all this motivational stuff is real for teenagers. Like as much as the the guys who have been grinding, and and they have been, three quarterbacks at Ohio State have been putting in a lot of work. They're going to feel like, hey, man, you're not coming off a Texas high school football field and taking our job. I absolutely think Quinn could flip this. It's like, oh, I was floating along. Maybe he was even floating at Elite 11 a little bit. I don't know. We weren't there. Maybe maybe he came in like, I'm the, I'm the man, and then he wasn't the best guy. Maybe. I don't know. But now he's got this reverse motivation, Stephen. Are we setting up the underdog origin story for Quinn Ewers to come in and shock the world? Not not anyone on Lamarie's Island. I'm here alone. Everybody at the lagoon? It's me and my <laughs> volleyball. I mean – Every athlete in the world loves to feel like they're an underdog. LeBron James still tries to figure out ways to pull it off. There were, two, I mean, I was there's two stories I was looking forward to one day writing. One of which I thought was going to potentially happen this year before Quinn threw a wrench in the entire world. And it's here's the CJ underdog part. Hey CJ, how's it feel that the only reason why you're at Ohio State right now is because DJ dropped out of the Elite Eleven? giving you an opportunity. Well, I'll show you. I should have gotten invited in the first place. Yeah, and I'll kick his butt on the on the field. And then when Quinn showed up and Kay got the Clemson, hey, hey, I mean, like, um, when, yeah, when Quinn and Kay both get on colleges, hey, Quinn, how do you feel to lose to Kay Klubnik in the state championship your junior year of high school? And then you dropped, and then you decided to enroll early, so you didn't get a chance to re- redeem yourself. I'll show you we should have won that game. They're at the perfect schools to do it because Ohio State loves to, you know, obsess over things that shouldn't be obsessed over. This stuff's real. I mean, you got to find a way to motivate yourself. And so um, I'll be curious. I'll be curious to see how Quinn motivates himself. And and Nathan, I I don't, I want to make sure again, I'm trying, we're trying to be like respectful of this because I do think the four guys are in tough spots. I I really do think that. And you don't feel bad for them. They chose to be here, you know, life in the big city. We get that, but they are in a tough spot. It does I did come away feeling a little bit about that. It is really, I think you called it. It's, it's like three plus one right now. And at some point it'll become a four man competition. But I do think these three guys are kind of united by the work they've put in so far. And I do think it will be that dynamic of Quinn entering that room. I do think is going to be a little bit unusual and I don't know how it will factor into the competition. And I'm not saying they're going to freeze them out or anything, but these three guys have, And I I don't know, maybe it was a little bit weird for Kyle when he showed up in January and the other two guys had been here for half a year. This is how it works in college. But Quinn's arrival is so unusual. I'm curious to see what that's like, Nathan. And I do think it's probably a little abnormal. 
I think it's absolutely abnormal, and and the, the motivation is abnormal too. The motivation is one that never would have existed before. On Tuesday's pod, I mentioned a couple guys, uh, JT Daniels, and again the guy at South Carolina whose name I'm forgetting. I, I cited him in something I wrote Holinsky. last week. Um, no, it wasn't Holinsky. It's okay. it's somebody who went from uh, his dad was a coach at Auburn. He lived at, in Auburn. His dad took a job at South Carolina, so he enrolled early at South Carolina. Now he's on like his he's back at like South Alabama now. Uh, I think he went to Utah in between. But um, those guys, like there have been quarterbacks who skipped their senior year and enrolled early, but it wasn't, it was for competitive reasons. This is, he's not coming here for competitive reasons. First and foremost, he's coming here for financial reasons. Like the, the motivation for him getting here has never been the same. And in some ways that takes a little bit of the urgency off of his part of the competition to me a little bit, not that he won't show up and try to play, but it, it's also a thing where th- that wasn't the plan all along. And they've got three other quarterbacks to go with. It, it just it, everything about this is a completely unprecedented situation, and I'm fascinated to, to watch it unfold. All right, there's one more part of this I want to talk about. That's Corey Dennis, and we'll do it next on Buckeye Talk. Doug, Stephen, Nathan, six one four three five zero three three one five to join the Ohio State texts. I do think I was thinking about this. I think my volleyball on La Maurice Island. I think I will name it Ari. I think it'll be it. Uh, I'll just be shouting at Ari and Ari will be shouting at me and it'll just be a volleyball. Corey Dennis spoke with us, Nathan. He's the quarterback's coach for Ohio State. How you speak to the media is not a direct relationship to how you do your job. Uh, I don't find him particularly comfortable with us yet. Um, He's young. He's also in charge of the most interesting quarterback room, possibly in college football history. I mean, legitimately. And my feelings have been made note. I think he, I think his resume was not worthy of this job. Where are you? I think you, are you still planning to write something sort of about Corey Dennis trying to manage this, Nathan? It, it's, I mean, he's a big part of it, but just about how, yes. I mean, about how he has to like, it, it's not just what he does for a couple hours a day, taking these guys through practice. What else is he doing to try to kind of get them to manage the, the mental side of this and all of the things that Ryan Day has been talking about all along about making sure you're focused on the competition and not sort of the sideshow aspects. I asked Corey Dennis a question about you're here to coach these quarterbacks and make them better quarterbacks, but you also have to manage egos. You also have to soothe feelings and reassure guys like how, how will you go about that? What will that be like in trying to make sure that all four of these guys sort of stay connected and stay engaged? And he, he didn't answer it. he, I don't even know what kind of he, – he didn't even attempt to to boil that down at all of what his strategies would be. He gave an answer to the first thing somebody asked him, and then he just kept giving that same answer in different words to everybody else. And and again, it's we don't have to – we're not here to criticize Corey Dennis for every answer that he gave. But did you come away, Nathan? I, I don't know if there's a vibe. I don't know if the vibe matters. Because all that matters is what the quarterbacks think of him. I've said it before, and just again, to, to, to reset the things, I feel like I have seen things here where the quarterback coach, perhaps not being off the snuff, has negatively affected the quarterback play. It happened with Terrell Pryor and Nick Siciliano. I still think it happened with Tim Beck trying to navigate as a first-year quarterback's coach the Cardale Jones, JT Barrett situation. Now Cardale and JT both loved Tim Beck and they went and like visited him at Texas 
And I think they have a good relationship with Tim Beck. They did not play their best with him as their quarterbacks coach. So like, I, I don't, I, I'm not really talking about relationships. I'm talking about relationships as they affect your ability to perform or stay engaged or be at the program, right? All those things, not relationships for relationships sake, which are important too. I hope you have a good relationship with the coach that you spend four hours a day with. But the bottom line is that relationship exists to produce good quarterback play. I just, I can't get away from it, Nathan. The proof will be in the pudding. Ryan Day certainly has a lot to do with coaching these quarterbacks and has a lot to do with why they come and has a lot to do with how they will perform. What did you get from Corey Dennis today that affected your view of that situation in any way, or did it not affect anything because we just feel like we just didn't really get past the external layer? Yeah. I don't know that I got tremendous insight. One of the things though, that I was thinking was that, I mean, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, if you didn't feel this way, but when, when Corey Dennis was elevated as a position, I felt like one of the, maybe this wasn't stated, maybe this was one of the assumptions that people made, was that his age, his relative age to the players, while his lack of experience was a negative, that his age and his ability to maybe relate to players had already been an asset when he was uh, a GA or, or his previous role, mm-hmm. and it would be, continue to be an asset. Because sometimes your position coach is your confidant on the team in some ways. Like if, 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 They're like the middle managers that you can go to when corporate, which is Ryan Day, is um, puts down a policy that you don't like. You can complain to your middle manager, whatever, if that analogy works at all. But I, I wonder now if that is working against them a little bit or can work against them a little bit. Because in the past, if, if it's Justin Fields and you've got a couple guys – underneath him that are you know it, it that, that dynamic of doubt or um um self-consciousness or whatever that other players would feel is very different because you've got one guy at the top and he's unbelievably talented across all of college football and a few people would beat him out for a job now you're throwing this situation at Corey dennis where when it was just three guys, I thought that was a pretty significant challenge. And now to just drop this fourth thing on top of him and managing four um, psyches, four egos, however you want to say that, um, is a lot to ask of a guy who also then has to go out and teach them how to play football better. So as much as we think that all of these quarterbacks are in a bad spot, um, I don't necessarily feel Corey bad for Corey Dennis being in a bad spot, but I think he is in a tough spot here to, to start your career. On one hand, it is an incredible opportunity to get these four quarterbacks in the room at the same time and get to watch this emerge. And you'll get to say, if there's success, you get to say you were part of it, but man, it is a, uh, everything we've said so far, messy, awkward situation. I think getting from here to even the start of the season. And like I said before, like I, I, we tried to ask these guys a million different ways, like, because nobody, I don't think believes as you're going through the spring, as you're going through the summer, as you're going through now, what they're going to have these next 25 practices, there's going to be days where uh, CJ Stroud goes out and just craps the bed and just has a terrible day. And there's going to be in that same day, Kyle McCord goes out and looks like he was the guy who designed Madden or whatever, and can just do no wrong and is just throwing lasers everywhere. And you don't think that those guys don't come out of that practice thinking, man, 
am I, did I just set myself back? Like that has to be managed. That sort of thing. What happens between the practices to me almost fascinates me more than what's happening at practice right now to some extent. And, and that's, I think his most crucial job. And when he's got so little experience having gone through it before, I just wonder how he's handling all of that stuff, all of the stuff that happens between practices, as much as all the text messages he gets and calls and just little meetings that you have one-on-one with guys, I think are the, the more as crucial as anything that the quarterback coach is doing, because you do have Ryan day there to do a lot of the X and O uh, fundamental stuff with those guys. To address the age part first, it shows up on the recruiting trail. Recruits love him. They love talking in some of that is because yep. he's a little closer to his age. So that's primarily where that shows up. And in this room, he's 11 years older than the youngest guy in the room. So, sure. Um, I, I think part of what's going to help here is that we have to keep remembering that the head coach is also a quarterback's guy, a quarterback coach by trade. And so he's going to be around these guys a lot more often. I actually asked CJ Stroud straight up. How much more is Ryan Day around you guys than he was last year when it was clearly just, I'm going to take Justin with me, one, because he's a second-year starter, but two, y'all are not giving this man COVID. Ryan Day's around them a lot more often, and I think that's going to be how this works from now on is Ryan Day's just going to take the starter. So maybe I'll feel more comfortable and less worrisome about how Corey Dennis, as a guy with no real real experience, maybe underqualified for this job, whatever you want to say, of maybe messing this up once you have a starter because you know that guy is going to be off with Ryan Day while Corey Dennis's job is just more to be the teacher at the base level of learning the offense. Ryan Day can't coach the quarterbacks at practice because he's got to walk around right. and see it's all the more, Yeah, Yeah, it's more one-on-one meeting stuff and taking it yeah, and other stuff like that, not necessarily on the field. No, that's what I was going to say, that, okay. that, that if you know Ryan Day needs somebody that he trusts to run the drills mm-hmm. for the quarterbacks, because Ryan Day, if Ryan Day spends his whole two and a half hours of practice running quarterback drills, he's not being a head coach. Right. But I do wonder if that it's it's maybe less necessary. And 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 someone need you know when you're the position coach again, you're checking in on everything. You're checking in on their family. You're checking in on their grades. You're checking in on their social life. You're checking mm-hmm. in on everything. So Ryan Day doesn't have time to be constantly checking in on everybody. But I do think it's possible that when it comes down to the psyche, to the egos, to the feelings, to all that, maybe Ryan Day handles that. That if it's like, listen, guys are feeling bad about their place on the team. A guy had a rough day at practice. A guy needs to be taught that maybe it's like, well, you know, Corey's doing the footwork drills. Corey's making sure everything's cool. But when it gets really, really heavy, and I think it'll get heavy, right? I mean, are we all, this is a heavy situation. As much as there's great talent and great opportunity, it's heavy. Maybe that's where Ryan Day steps in and does a lot of the lifting, where maybe he doesn't step in in the running back's room because Tony Alford's got that. You know, he doesn't step in in the linebacker's room because Al Washington's got that. Brian Hartline's got that in the receiver's room. Like they can, it's just different. And I do think there's an opportunity because I do think, listen, Corey Dennis is more like their big brother, right? Mm-hmm. Often your coach is more like your football dad. Larry Johnson, Larry Johnson's more like your football grandpa. Sometimes you want a grandpa. Sometimes you want a dad. Sometimes you want a big brother. I think when you're playing quarterback, if everything's pretty good and you're the guy, I think big brother is probably enough. It's like, what's up, man? You want to go throw football? Yeah, come on, brother. When it gets a little rough, right? When you're a kid, you have a great relationship with your sibling. When it gets a little rough, you want your parents. So, that's just about experience and it's about age. And as much as, I mean, listen, 
if being 11 years older than the guys in your room was the ideal thing for a coach, every coach in college football would be 30. There are not many coaches in college football who are whatever Corey Dennis is running a room at a power five program that's in the top 20. So we can't act like, I mean, I'm not disputing Stephen the idea that, that, that there are pluses to it, but then we have to admit that there are, yeah. I don't even know if negatives are, is the right word. There are challenges associated with it as well. But again, as Stephen said, as we have said before, and there comes Ryan Day. So uh, Nathan, what were you going to say? Well, as I say, the other reason why I think it, it actually would behoove Ryan Day to be the one to step in in these situations, as opposed to something in the linebacker room or the running back room or the offensive line room, is because these things that you're talking about and why it's going to get heavy, he designed that. Like this is this is how he set it up. I mean, circumstance set it up a little bit too. The way quarterback recruiting went for a couple of years, and they got caught in between some things. They had to play catch up, and that's what stacked the, all this up. But this was also sort of his by his plan. So I think it sort of behooves him to be the one to step in and say, like, "Hey, I know I'm the one who told you this and this when we recruited you, and now this is what's unfolded, and I'm here to to step in and absorb whatever." I. I I think it that I think that dynamic is different than any of those other rooms you're talking about too, because that's just kind of normal competition in the linebacker room or whatever. It almost makes me wonder, like a story about why coaching quarterbacks is so different than coaching other positions, right? Because the other thing is too, Ryan Day is going to make the decision on who's going to play, and I think most of the time, a lot of other times, right? It's like I think if you like. Hey, who's, who's in the game at running back? Ryan Day's like, I don't know. It's whoever Tony put in. Mm-hmm. Ask Tony. He's the running backs coach. I don't know who's in the game. I assume, like, like I don't think Ryan Day is going to micromanage when it's Master Teague time and when it's Trayvon Henderson time. And I don't think he's going to micromanage if they're going to rotate the corners or if their guys are going to stay on the field. It's like, hey, Brian Hartline. Like, Brian Hartline's like, I got it. I'm going to put these guys in, and then I'm not going to rotate Olave quite as much, but I am going to – like Buka and Jackson Smith the Jigba, I got it. I mean, of course he has influence, but he's going to decide who the quarterback is. And I think that's true most of the time, right? I don't know. I mean, I now I just now I'm just again saying things. Wait, great. More opinions I have no information about. I'm gonna feel bad as soon as we get off the podcast. I, I do think it is I, I it's not it is different. I mean, Tyler Friday is not gonna get any questions about what were you thinking when JT Tumalau was deciding whether he was gonna to come to Ohio State or not. It's just, that's just not going to happen. It, the situation is kind of similar to, to why you would ask Jack Miller the same question, but he's not going to get that question. It's a totally different scenario. The stakes are completely different. But even then, you don't have to worry about the, the ramifications as much and as often with other positions as you do. Part, everything Ryan Day had to do with his quarterback room was so strategic so you could get all three guys to the fall. Larry Johnson at no or Al Washington at no point was thinking I've got to get all six of my linebackers or all nine or 12 of my defensive linemen to the fall. They don't ever have to think about it in that aspect. While with quarterback, you have to worry about regardless of who you think the starter is, you have to worry about the second and third string guy making it to this point for the sake of having depth in the room in a way that you don't have to worry about it in other places. That's what makes it different. It's weird because sometimes like your quarterback's coach is like the most important assistant. It's like, guess who Bob Stoops most important assistant was Lincoln Riley. Yeah. It's like, like Ryan day. Like, I mean, now again, often that's the quarterback's coach. Who's also the offensive coordinator who's calling plays, but he's also in charge of the quarterbacks. 
But now we're sort of making a case if you have an offensive head coach who's been a quarterback's coach, your quarterback's coach really doesn't have to be a decision maker because the quarter, the head coach is going to pick the quarterback, doesn't have to be quite as involved in the ego management, right? Whereas Larry Johnson on the defensive line is like checking on his guys constantly. And if Jack Sawyer feels like, oh, Coach Jay, I thought I'd play more as a freshman. What's going on? That's Larry Johnson, right? I mean, that's not that's not Ryan Day's situation to handle. That's Larry Johnson's to figure out. Tyler Friday's like, man, Coach Jay, why is this freshman playing ahead of me? What's going on? Larry Johnson's going to figure that out. We just think Ryan Day, if Jack Miller or C.J. Stroud or Quinn Ewers or Kyle McCord has a question like that, they're, they might. it's probably Ryan Day who's going to answer their questions about that. So I think it's a function of the position, but it's also a function of the lack of experience of the guy who's the coach. Because that's not what was happening, I don't think, when Ryan Day had Corey Dennis's job for Urban Meyer, right? I don't know. I guess we're just stating the obvious. It's like, oh, Ryan Day, after he worked in the NFL, <laughs> had more experience than Corey Dennis? Yeah, of course, Doug. Great, great point. They're different. I don't know. I feel terrible. I feel terrible. I don't know anything. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm letting you down. I don't know. I'm a man on an island with a sad volleyball. All right. With a mullet on it. With a mullet on it. Quinn. I'd may, I'd maybe I'll go make that. I have I was cleaning my garage. By the way, clean the garage like on Saturday. Clean no, clean the garage last Friday. Tried to run Monday to get myself back so I'm can stay alive because I've stopped working out. Could not run. My I was running like I was on. I, my, my, I had boards in my legs. My hamstrings would not function. Three days later, I cleaned the garage for three hours. My hamstrings wouldn't function for 72 hours afterward. It's the beginning of the end. But the point is, I have a lot of volleyballs in my garage. And I certainly have enough to make a... I should make Quinn Ewers? Is that the best thing? Make a Quinn Ewers volleyball and he can be on my island with me? Yeah, no, I think that's it. I'll make it my avatar on Twitter. Right? The first time you talk to him, you have to have this discussion with him. I'll bring the volleyball and I'll be like, Quinn, yeah. would you like to meet Quinn? And he'll be like, please keep that reporter away from me, Jerry. It's like the next situation all over again. He got he's a second round pick. I helped yeah. him. I inspired Pete <laughs> Werner. Just don't draw it too good, because the more it looks like him, the more likely it is you'd have to pay him something for NIL now. That's true. And the more likely it would be that I would wind up in jail for stalking him. He made a volleyball of his exact likeness. All right. I know what I'm doing the rest of the evening. I don't know. Did Nathan, did we provide any information or did you for an hour and a half? Did we just relay the fact that we had none or did we help our listeners tonight? Buckeye talk. Uh, <laughs> I think we relayed as much information as we actually received. Yeah. 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 It's hard. I really wish. I mean, what I would like to do is go watch these guys practice for a week and then come to our own evaluations of who we think looks the best, which we're not going to get to do. So it's well, tough. And, it, and Quinn Ewers isn't going to be there for another week. I mean, we don't think he'll be there this week. We think it's it's probably dragging into next week, as we said the other day, and as we other conversations we've had, we, we tend to believe that that's going to be the case. So we, whatever we saw over the next week doesn't affect the Quinn Ewers conversation that much. Yeah. Yeah, I wish we could get eyeballs on it. I wish we get eyeballs. One of the great things about the NFL, I mean, fans can get eyeballs. Fans yep. can be like, oh, I think 
I think Harrison Bryant's a better tight end than Austin Hooper. Why? It's like, cause I went to Brown's practice for four straight days and that's my tight end evaluation. It's like, wow, that's probably pretty good. That's awesome. Uh, okay. That's Buckeye talk. Thanks for listening. Try the texts. Thanks again to everybody who has joined. Make sure you're reading all our stuff. We're going to be writing about the quarterbacks, of course, at cleveland.com slash Buckeye talk. We're going to keep talking about this stuff. So Wednesday morning, 730. Is that right? 730. We, get, we can be there at 730. Yeah, it yep, starts at 745. You probably won't get any texts from us quite that early. Yeah. So we'll text out anything relevant around 10 Eastern. And then we will do our podcast on it, but we just like dropping the podcast in the morning. So what we see on Wednesday, and then I think we'll talk to Ryan Dave more on Wednesday and we'll get to ask a little bit about, Oh, you know, how's court Williams coming back and how's how'd seven banks look. We'll talk about more than quarterbacks. That'll be on the Thursday pod for Stephen means and Nathan Baird. I'm Doug Maurice, And that was Buckeye talk. Buckeye talk.